welcome once again to the Non-Diet Yogi Podcast, where we explore yoga, earth-based living and gentle nutrition all through a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Casey Conroy, non-diet dietitian and yoga teacher, and this is episode four, Yoga Guru, Nutrition Guru, or as the article that I'm going to read today was originally called, Yoga Teachers. Please stop giving terrible dietary advice to your students. So this was an article that I wrote on my blog a couple of years back and it has since become one of the, my most popular articles of all time. I received a lot of feedback on it. It was shared extensively. Um, most of that feedback was really positive and supportive, but some of it was pretty angry, (laughs) I'll just say. Um, I think though this will be a really nice episode in which I share this piece with you. It's because it's um, kind of a prelude to episode five in which I speak with Amy Reich about orthorexia in yoga teachers and practitioners. And I've got to say it's an absolute goodie and I cannot wait to share it with you. But for now, I'm going to share this piece with you and just briefly, um, I'll be talking about why people tend to ask yoga teachers for nutritional advice, the different kinds of nutritional advice yoga teachers give, and we will be debunking and demystifying many of these um, diets in, in upcoming episodes. We'll be talking about the dangers of getting nutrition advice from a yoga teacher, We'll discuss the dangers um, of doing this kind of thing given the prevalence of disordered eating in yoga populations. And even when your yoga teacher is a nutritionist, why you should still exercise caution when getting nutrition advice from yoga teachers. Now, before I start, I'll just say that, of course, I'm not talking about all yoga teachers here. Of course, not all yoga teachers give terrible nutrition advice or any nutrition advice for that matter. But unfortunately, from what I've observed in yoga circles in my 14 or so years teaching and, I don't know, 18 plus years practicing yoga, um, this is a not that rare phenomenon. Um, And I have seen this phenomenon of yoga teachers handing out nutrition advice take its toll. So to have, you know, pretty nasty effects on people. Anyway, here's the article. Yoga teachers, please stop giving terrible dietary advice to your students. I write this or I say this as a yoga teacher and as a yoga student. I say this as a dietitian and nutritionist who sees the women and girls in clinic at the back end of yet another grueling 10-day juice fast or after another winter of freezing through raw foods, their thyroid, adrenals and or reproductive health just a bit more depleted. Their relationship with food and their body having slid yet another few degrees backwards into disordered and potentially dangerous territory. Their self-confidence and self-trust bruised and just a bit weaker. Some of these people are yoga teachers themselves. 
I say this with deep concern and remorse for any past student to whom I may have passed on potentially harmful nutrition advice before I learnt more about diet culture. I am truly sorry. I didn't know that diet culture and the body hatred and dysfunction around food that it creates was such an insidious and widespread problem. I didn't know that clean eating is potentially just another code word for dieting. And I'll just interject here, this is not in the article, but for those of you who um, are already pissed (laughs) that I've started attacking clean eating, um, there are nuances with this. You know, some people define clean eating as... um, I don't know, eating things that have been minimally processed or not sprayed or organically or biodynamically grown, whilst other people classify it as um, strictly excluding all the things, you know, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, no blah, 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 no numbers, no preservatives. So clean eating as a term could take up a whole episode in and of itself. And I'm not stating one definition of clean eating here over another because as I said that's a whole episode in and of itself but I will say that clean eating can absolutely be a code word for dieting especially in its more restrictive know this know that um, kind of form so disclaimer with clean eating there so clean eating can be another code word for dieting and of course dieting is any way of eating that you are emotionally attached to. So for instance, do you feel anxious and off kilter when you go out with friends and can't find something that's 100% clean? If so, you're on a diet maybe. I have been on both the giving and receiving end of bad nutritional advice from yoga teachers. I don't remember a specific incident of telling a student hey, you want to lose weight? Do this cleanse. But I do remember recommending a particular book containing what I thought at the time were healthy recipes, a book which also happened to contain extremely dangerous dietary advice along the lines of eat just one meal a day for optimal health. Not a great blanket recommendation, nor a good goal to aspire to. I've since... um. The I had a couple of books from this one particular author who I was a huge fan of. She was all about um, detox diets and all that kind of shit. And I was really into that in my orthorexic days. I ended up buying three of her books. Um, and I've since, uh, you know, you can't, you can't donate these kinds of things. You can't give them to the op shop because that's just handing them on to some other poor bugger who's going to potentially um, have their disordered eating ramped up from reading this kind of shit. Um, so with those books, I decided to compost them. Um, I turned them into food for my worms in my worm farm. So just letting you know the happy ending to that book story. Okay. So back to the article. (laughs) I'm going to, look guys, I'm going to go on little tangents here and there. I'll try not to, but yeah, this is a couple of years old and I've got a a few things to add to it. So back to the article. I know that posting slash saying this is going to piss some people off, but if I can prevent just one more confused health conscious woman and increasingly man and um, non-gender conforming individual 
from being more deeply sucked into diet culture, then it's well worth it. So I keep saying this term diet culture. Um, If you have looked up my podcast or, you know, stumbled across it, chances are, you know, it says non-diet yogi. You probably have an idea of what diet culture is, but if you don't, let me, let me explain to you what the hell diet culture is. And I'm going to use the words of the wonderful Fiona Sutherland, who's a fellow non-diet dietitian. She's also now a yoga teacher and she's just an all-round badass. She's just the sweetest, most lovely person, but holy shit, she has some fire. Anyway, the way she describes diet culture is this. Diet culture encompasses all the messages that tell us that we're not good enough in the bodies we currently have and that we'd be more worthwhile and valuable if our bodies were different. Our culture is so embedded with body and weight centric messages that they're sometimes imperceptible. Diet culture is deeply ingrained in our everyday existence and prevents us from living our most full and meaningful lives. So that's diet culture. Um, Yoga culture, which I refer to a lot in this podcast, and just to let you know, yoga culture is not the practice of yoga itself, but the lifestyle trend, fashion, media, and all that stuff surrounding it. Okay, right? Yoga culture has become an arm off the octopus of the health conscious culture, which is a dangerous flirtation with, and sometimes just a covert name for, diet culture. So we've got wellness culture, yoga culture, and diet culture, and they've all kind of just merged into one big clusterfuck of sparkly yoga pants covered, um, yeah, stuff. (laughs) So there's health conscious, of course. I'm not knocking people who are health conscious. I, I would consider myself health conscious. You know, I would like to live and, um, you know, live in such a way that I'm not actively reducing my lifespan in huge chunks. Um, But then there's also health obsessed. So I've been both. And there is a huge difference, even though the line can be quite fine (laughs) crossing between health consciousness and health obsession. Increasingly, I'm seeing more and more yogis, especially women and especially younger women, crossing over into health obsessed territory. And I know what it looks like because, as I've said, I've been there and it sucks. I think that as yoga teachers, we need to be vigilant of this. Um, So obviously I'm speaking to yoga teachers, but I think that anyone who practices yoga, anyone who walks into a yoga studio, uh, anyone who looks at yoga videos online and finds all the shitty yoga for weight loss videos um, needs to be very careful about this kind of stuff. You need to be careful about the health advice. So for yoga teachers specifically, we need to be vigilant about the health advice we give outside of our field of yoga practice. So let me just tell you to illustrate what I'm trying to say here. I'm going to tell a story of two women and This will hopefully show you why it's so inappropriate for yoga teachers to give detailed nutrition advice. So I'm going to tell two short stories. Scene one, picture this. 
I'm, so me, Casey, I'm wrapping up a nutrition consultation with a client. Let's call her Mrs. X. As her dietitian, we've discussed lots of stuff about food, body cues of hunger and fullness, Mrs. X's health issues relevant to her eating, um, what she's eaten the last few days, you know, that kind of thing. What we haven't discussed in detail is the stress fracture in her C3 vertebra in her neck. We haven't discussed the inflamed tendons in her wrists um, or her marriage issues because she has other health practitioners who deal with that and we only have 30 to 60 minutes together. On her way out, Mrs. X casually adds that she's thinking of trying yoga to help manage her stress levels and give her energy. Oh, yes, I exclaim in this story, yoga totally saved me. I find that doing lots of headstands just sends me out so much and handstands give me shit tons of energy. You should try that. Obviously, this is really fucked up. This would be a major dietitian fail because A, I'm not a yoga teacher. Well, actually, I am, but for the purpose of the point that I'm trying to make and to represent the majority of nutritionists and dietitians, let's just pretend that I'm not a yoga teacher, okay? Um, So this would be a major fail. A, because I don't know enough about Mrs. X's health to know that what works for me will also work for her. Um, you know, I might know about her digestive and eating issues, but I know next to nothing about her history of injuries. Um, not to the extent where I can safely recommend specific yoga postures for her to try. In this case, telling Mrs. X to do advanced poses like handstands and headstands would be the equivalent of telling someone with celiac disease to just go chug down a few loaves of bread. You know, it could really hurt her. Luckily, I don't know any nutritionists who would actually do this. I don't know any dietitians who would actually do this. And if they do suggest yoga, it's as a general tool to try for stress management on the premise that you go ask a qualified yoga teacher for further modifications if you have injuries or special needs, as Mrs. X clearly does. Scene two, second half of the story. Okay, now picture this. Miss Y, I know I'm so creative with names. Miss Y is at her local yoga studio just finishing up a yoga class. She's feeling zenned out and all open-hearted after her shavasana. She thanks her yoga teacher on the way out and they chat animatedly as they both bask in that delicious post-yoga glow. What they don't discuss is Miss Y's declining relationship with food, which is now bordering on an eating disorder, or her roller coaster blood sugar levels, or the fact that she hasn't had a menstrual period in months because she's under-eating in an attempt to lose weight. I loved your class. I love you. Miss Y is literally high on yogi feel-good vibes, which is a real thing. And anything her teacher says at this point will pretty much be taken as gospel. She has been well and truly placed on a golden, shiny pedestal. The yoga teacher smiles serenely. Miss Y casually adds that she loved the class and if only her energy levels were a bit higher, she could have tried the the handstand. Oh, says the yoga teacher, you should really try a juice fast. 
I just did a five-day fast and I feel amazing. I have so much energy now. I do them regularly, actually. And just as a little secret, I even lost that little belly I'd been carrying around for ages that I could never lose. You should try it. Obviously, this would be a major yoga teacher fail. And guys and girls and all kinds of folks out there listening, this happens all the time. Well, at least it happens a lot of the time. Yoga teachers, I get it. You open people up through the practice. You witness meltdowns. You're privy to the psychological issues and deep-seated secrets secrets disclosed to you by students in their moments of post-yoga glow-induced vulnerability. Sometimes the relief you bring by helping them to relax and breathe is so great that you assume the role of health guru of everything in their eyes. Not in your eyes, but in their eyes. You are a magical, perfect, sparkly unicorn of health and life wisdom who poos non-genetically modified glitter. This comment, just as a side note, guys, this really pissed some people off when I said this in my blog. Obviously, I'm being just ironic and silly here, but some people really didn't like that um, degree of sarcasm. Um, So look, if this is you, then sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. So, you know, it's not uncommon for people to ask a yoga teacher if they should leave that abusive man or try yoni steaming or go on a detox or try a ketogenic supplement because they see us as this amazing health guru. But unless you're willing to be liable for any decision your student makes based on your advice, you really shouldn't tell them what to do. Instead, suggest that they seek help from a counsellor, a psychologist, a dietitian, a nutritionist or whatever. Most yoga teachers I know honestly would do just that, but not all. And I'm about to describe some situations that are based on what what yoga teachers have actually done or said in a class that I or close friends have personally attended. That's really not cool. Okay, guys, apologies for that. That was my little two-year-old who's been sitting on my lap for the last few minutes because I really want to record this and I rarely get a chance to during the day. Um, But my oldest is away and I thought I'd get away with it, but I haven't, but oh well. I'm just going to keep going and... You mamas, you'll get it. Um, so is this ethical, guys? What what happens here um, with the yoga and the nutrition advice giving? To put this into some kind of yogi context, we need look no further than the yamas and niyamas. So these are the first and second limbs on the path of yoga. Even, um, you know, these are mentioned in a certain chronological order before the asana or physical postures. So yamas and yamas are ethical principles that can help guide how we relate to and take care of ourselves and other people. On first glance, the yamas and niyamas could be glossed over as basics. Yeah, I tell the truth. I'm not violent. You know, we might justify to ourselves. But on reflection, these principles can be applied at a much deeper and perhaps more powerful level. 
violence, stealing and dishonesty have far subtler manifestations. And I will say Ahimsa is not just being vegetarian or vegan. And I'll talk about that a lot more in future episodes. Um, But for now, I'll just say that practicing the yama of non-violence or Ahimsa, for example, could be interpreted as being awake to the more subtle ways we harm ourselves and others through colluding with diet, culture and body hatred, which thrive off the assumption that we aren't enough as we are right now. And essentially, the reason why anyone does packaged juice cleanses or any weight loss diet or crazy 12-week intensive exercise challenges is that at their core, they believe they aren't good enough as they are right now. They aren't thin or lean or clean or fit or enlightened enough and they'll pay big money for the privilege of thinking that they are finally enough even for a fleeting moment. So violence, himza, isn't just killing a person or an animal. It can also arise in the harsh ways we treat ourselves and others, such as pushing someone or a student into a potentially injurious pose to um, keep, to you know, or pushing ourselves into a, a dangerous pose to keep up or compete with other people. Or convincing someone that their cruelty to animals knows no bounds unless they go vegan in the name of Ahimsa, paradoxically. Or to start a juice fast to help them release old waste. Read, lose weight. This is all really just not cool. This is violence in my book. This is Ahimsa. Uh, This is the opposite to Ahimsa. So please just don't go there, yoga teachers. The subset of the population who attends yoga classes massively overlaps with the subset who develop or are suffering from disordered eating and eating disorders. And what I often like to say, because it's based on a 2008 study of over 4,000 people, is that between 50 and 75% of women experience some form of disordered eating. That is massive. In Australia, um, 80% of yoga students are women between the ages of 25 and 54 years of age. And around 15% of those women will experience a full-blown eating disorder at some point during their life, with younger women more, more susceptible. I think I wrote that at the time, but I have my doubts now. I think um, the susceptible age range is quite vast. It's not just young women. It's women and, and people, really, of all ages. On the Gold Coast, where I was living at the time I wrote this, um, young women make still make up a significant proportion of the students in yoga classes. So, fellow yoga teachers, I implore you, please don't give potentially harmful dietary advice to your students. You know, we are seen as these magical rainbow people who ride unicorns and your advice will likely be taken seriously. So here are some little um, yoga teacher giving terrible nutrition advice situations that I or people close to me have been in. Please do not tell yoga students that they need to detoxify and alkalinize when they reveal to you in a moment of post-yoga vulnerability that they're desperate to lose weight or that they wish they had more energy or even any any kind of health complaint. I've got acne. Um, I want to fall pregnant. Um, I have tummy issues. Just don't tell them 
that they need to detox. Weight loss and fad diets, including cleanses and other common detox protocols, do not take people's individual requirements into consideration and can result in a person feeling hungry. I know. Amazing. Drinking vegetable juice for five days and you're going to feel hungry? Yeah, not surprising. They're going to experience low moods. Um, they're going to be lacking in energy levels and um, you, they're risking just developing poor health in general. With research showing that 95% of all dieters will regain any weight lost in one to five years of doing any diet, it's, it's impossible to, invite, to advise someone to attempt any weight loss protocol on the premise that it will help them lose weight and still stick to the yamas of ahimsa, non-harming, satya, truthfulness, and brahmacharya maintenance of vitality or abstinence of um, sexual conduct so maybe we could just stick to those first two ahimsa and satya just to be really straightforward yoga teachers please do not encourage people to go on a fucking juice fast when they ask you how to increase their energy levels please weight loss however temporary and the adrenaline rush of the starved state mistakenly interpreted as increased energy are common results when you restrict calories in the short term why do you think packaged juice fasts are so popular it's because generally people will lose a little bit of weight you are starving for one to three to five days so of course of course you you're probably going to lose a bit of weight let's be honest a juice fast a juice cleanse a juice detox they are all diets they are diets and 35 percent of so-called normal dieters progress to pathological dieting and of those 20 to 25% progress to partial or full syndrome eating disorders guys juice cleansers are absolutely a potential gateway into developing an eating disorder yoga teachers please do not pressure people to go vegan or vegetarian in order to be healthier or prove that they give a shit about animals and the environment i'm sure that they probably already do please don't simplify the vegetarian issue down to ethics alone and here i've opened myself up to vegan and vegetarian hate oh well i'm gonna keep going whilst this is important the biological suitability of a vegetarian or vegan diet varies wildly from one person to another. I have been vegetarian for 10 years and vegan for a couple of years as well in the past. And in my experience, my lived experience, going vegetarian can be great for some people at certain life stages for a certain period of time or maybe even a certain disease state. But it's not the healthiest option for absolutely everyone contrary to what you've read or heard or believe or how many times you've read the China study. <laughs> I feel this to be true from my personal experience living as a vego for a decade um, but more importantly from clinical experience working with people suffering enormously from being on an innately restrictive diet for far too long. Also, if you're speaking to a typical yogi, you're speaking to someone who may already be quite health obsessed or even orthorexic. So basically, they have a decent chance of already having a disordered relationship with food. And 
suggesting vegetarianism to them will give them just another reason to restrict even more foods from their dwindling list of allowed food items. The number of times I've seen this in the yoga community is staggering. Yoga teachers, please refrain from suggesting intermittent fasting or skipping meals to improve your students' digestion and release excess weight. When you tell a room full of female yoga students to cut out at least one meal per day, you are speaking to a room of predominantly 18 to 42-year-old women of whom statistically one in a hundred will have full-blown anorexia nervosa and a significant chunk of them will already have a disordered relationship with food. So remember, 50 to 75% of women. Sorry, that's my little my little baby. <laughs> She's in my lap breastfeeding, so let's just see how we go. Yoga teachers, when you're in this kind of yoga class, you're speaking with a population, students and women, for which the incidence of bulimia is estimated to be one in five. You are speaking to a group of women of whom, even if they are within a so-called normal weight range, only 22% are happy with their weight. Almost three quarters of these women desire to weigh less, including 68 of so-called normal weight people and 25% of underweight women. Just let that sink in. If you want references for all this stuff, you can hop on um, my blog, yoga teachers, please stop giving terrible dietary advice to your students on funkyforest.com.au. By the way, back to the article. Yoga teachers, please don't write a book about detoxification, clean eating or juice cleansing and then mention it's now available for purchase at the end of class. You are not a nutrition expert and even if you are, just refer to the statistics I just mentioned regarding your target audience. Yoga teachers, please don't push products onto your students in the name of health be it your powdered vegetable juice line, <coughs> Juice Plus, talking to you, your life-changing multi-level marketed products, your food-grade essential oils, <coughs> hello doTERRA and Young Living, or your ketogenesis-inducing supplements. Um, I see this shit sold all the time in yoga studios and I'm going to be honest, it drives me insane. People are going to a yoga class to do yoga not to join your downline. Um, even if you're totally convinced that your products are awesome, it's just plain unprofessional to pitch these to your yoga students. They're here to do yoga, not become part of your downline, not become one of your hashtag tribe. Can you tell I'm a little bit passionate about this? <laughs> If a student actively asks you about your products without prompting from you and you somehow know for a fact that your products will not be used to perpetuate body hate, non-acceptance of and disconnection from self or any kind of body dysmorphia stuff, then okay, maybe then you can let them know about it or arrange a time to talk to them outside class about your stuff. But otherwise... Please keep your oils and your powders out of the yoga studio. Please, yoga teachers, just don't go there because people are not just bodies. They're not just projects to be improved and slimmed down and detoxed. We are whole human beings as our beloved yoga philosophy tries to teach us time and time again. 
So yoga teachers, please stop giving potentially harmful dietary advice to your students. And yoga students, please don't ask your yoga teacher what and how and when you should be eating. They don't know because that information can only be discovered by you, possibly with the help of a qualified nutrition professional. Your relationship with food and your body is your business. If there is an issue with it, you should probably bring it to someone who can take your individualized requirements into consideration. Yoga is as much about getting in touch with our bodies and its innate wisdom as it is about going beyond the body. Yoga teachers, if you want to do a seven-day juice cleanse or go raw vegan or live on broccoli and bone broth, then awesome. Knock yourself out. Just, yeah, whatever you want to do, it's your body. Just don't impose your nutritional philosophies onto impressionable students when you really should just be teaching yoga. By the way, I don't know how some yoga teachers can teach classes when they're on day 10 of a juice fast. Just saying, just that would be hard. <laughs> Guys, yoga teachers, your students look up to you. They're listening. They are absorbing not only your dietary advice, but your own unresolved neuroses and food hang-ups, should you have any. And going by um, a study that Amy Reich, who I'll be interviewing in the next episode, told me about, in one study, um, 86% of Ashtanga teachers interviewed had orthorexic tendencies 86 percent that's insane going by at least that study a serious chunk of us yoga teachers have some pretty serious um, food hang-ups and issues so look guys yoga teachers particularly You can, of course, advise people to eat healthily and to treat their bodies with respect and to look after themselves. But if and how they do that is their journey and it's not your place to intervene. Yoga teachers, if you are called upon to give any nutritional advice, make it an extension of the original yoga philosophy of knowing and trusting oneself, not an extension of your latest celery juice cleanse. Direct them to some non-diet approaches, so health at every size or intuitive eating, the body positive movement or any number of arising approaches and practitioners that take a whole person's health into account, not just how good they look in a pair of Lululemon tights or how clean their gut is. Okay, guys, so that was the article. You can probably tell why it incited um, both some wild support and also (laughs) some wrath (laughs) but there you go and just to add um so it's about nearly three years since I wrote that article but just to add here this stuff of course doesn't only apply to yoga teachers um it's not just yoga teachers who trip into giving terrible yoga nutrition advice worlds it's also personal trainers it's also health coaches some of whom have abysmally scant nutrition qualifications if any at all and it also applies to other non-nutrition health practitioners in australia um A blunt way to share my sentiment about this is stay in your lane, (laughs) which, you know, uh, I think to be a bit more diplomatic about it, I would say just be aware of who you're speaking with. That's my baby. 
<laughs> be aware of who you're speaking with. Are they among the 50 to 75% of women who have disordered eating? Or are you? Are you on a diet that you think everyone else should be on? Do they, the person you're speaking with, your student or otherwise, do they have a health condition? Do they even want your advice? Be sensitive, listen and refer to someone qualified, a nutritionist, an accredited practicing dietitian, ideally a professional with tertiary qualifications in nutrition. That could also be a naturopath or a GP, although as a naturopath in training, I'm a bit sad to say that fad diets like keto and paleo for weight loss are somewhat common in these circles. So, you know, you do what you can, but... I'd still say refer to a nutrition professional. It's my hope that um, more haze-based and non-diet studies come out that um, the information about the ineffectiveness of fad diets like this is going to become more common knowledge um, both in the naturopathic world and in health professions at large. Okay, guys. That's it from me today. Um, As I said, this is a prelude to episode five in which I interviewed the wonderful Amy Reich. Um, I hope you are all having a wonderful day and I would love to hear what you have to say about um, what I've spoken about. Thank you for being here and for straddling the tricky edges of yoga land and diet culture with me. I hope this podcast encourages you to compassionately and continuously question the ways that contemporary yoga is unfolding and interacting with other big forces in the world to develop a discerning mind and open heart and to skillfully dodge the diet BS that often comes along with studio culture. Like you, I'm eager to keep learning and sharing and I put all relevant links in the show notes. You can find my blog online nutrition counselling services, and lots more at funkyforest.com.au. While you're there, make sure to download my free ebook, A Modern Yogi's BS-Free Guide to Wellbeing. It's a light-hearted, easy read with my top six tips on dodging diet culture crap in the yoga world, whilst creating sustainable and balanced health from the inside out. If you love the podcast, please consider supporting my work at patreon.com slash non-dietyogi. There are some pretty rad rewards there such as exclusive content, discount codes, giveaways and the ability to chat with me. As more episodes roll out, I'll be adding even more fun bonuses such as my non-diet yogi cookbook and mini courses. You can access most of the goodies at the lowest level, which is just $2 US a month or around $2.90 Australian dollars. Like most mummers, I'm ridiculously busy parenting, working, studying and all the rest. I've recorded a bunch of episodes and some of these have required five separate takes just to get a whole episode done as I need to wake up before my little ones to do it and they get up very early. So I'm crossing my fingers that the Patreon will give me the financial capacity to keep doing this. Another way to support is to head over to iTunes and subscribe and review the podcast. That would be so awesome. Thank you. The in and outro song is Evening Glow by John Anderson. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time.